Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. So here's what's interesting, and this is research-based. This is not just um, my experience alone. Mm -hmm. But I I think we can all agree men and women um, in general are wired differently. And women generally are very, very relational. So we value ourselves by our relationships as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, as a friend, as a wife, and so on. Well, this is great in business because we are amazing at customer service. You don't have to tell a woman how to take care of people Because that's what she does. That's who she is. It's like telling a fish to swim. Like, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. However, being wired relationally tends to pose some challenges when relationships are at play in business. For example, pricing. You're listening to Christy Wright, a good friend of mine from Business Boutique. Business Boutique is also an event that I spoke at that is run by Christy and her team over at the Dave Ramsey Group. And it was probably one of the most spectacular events I've ever spoken at. Over 3,000 people in this amazing space, very professional. I felt like I was being taken care of the whole time. And more than that, the response from the audience just blew my mind. And what I love about what Christy has built as a businesswoman is she's built not just some of the best information I've seen online, but specifically tailored to women and her goal to help women start businesses. And I wanted to bring her on today to talk not just about how to get started in business and how to overcome those fears that we all have, but I really wanted to have her come on to speak to me and to a lot of the men out there uh, and also the women, but mainly just talk about women in business. Uh, You know, I, I severely think women are underrepresented in the business space. I feel like there is a ton of talent that we just don't even know exists, which is why I wanted to bring a talented woman on to share with us some of the things that we could think about when it comes to gender and entrepreneurship. This is a little bit different of an episode, but you know, as a business owner and an entrepreneur and somebody who is trying to deliver value, I think it's uh, really important to talk about all kinds of topics. And we get a little deep. We get a little deep in this episode, but it's going to be massively helpful whether you are a man or a woman and you're listening. And I appreciate you so much. Let's cue the music, then we'll get to the good stuff. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he once contemplated becoming a lawyer until he job shadowed for a day, Pat Flynn. What's up, Team Flynn? Welcome to session 362 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And like you know, today we're speaking with Christy Wright from businessboutique.com. You know what we're talking about. Sit back, enjoy, 
Here we go. Hey, Christy, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Pat, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. And I just have to, and I wanted to thank you publicly here um, because I went to your event a couple of years ago, uh, Business Boutique, yeah, and it was it. it was by far one of the most favorite experiences I've ever had oh, on stage. Cool. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Your your fans and, and the people under your wing are just amazing. I mean, every, everybody I met there had some amazing stories to share about how you've changed their lives. And I'm excited oh, to- Thank you. Well, you have a huge hit. It's a really special tribe. It's amazing. It's this like uh, close-knit family, you know, and I'm sure you experienced this even with uh, your listeners as well, where you kind of lock arms and you say, you know what, business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be and we're going to do this together. So uh, we loved having you. And of course, we've had you on the podcast and you're just such a huge hit with with our tribe. So we're always so grateful for you. Thank you. And what I loved about the event that was very different from the hundreds of others that have been at was that you had a row of vendors outside of the main stage. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like these are very, you know, women-driven businesses and stuff. And I realized that they all started as a result of being a part of your tribe. Like these businesses wouldn't have started without you. I thought that was really cool to kind of showcase your people there like that. Yeah, it's fun. And a lot of times what we'll do, and we may have done this at the event that you spoke at, but we will also highlight interviews on stage of women that are running seven-figure businesses. They're running million-dollar, multi-million-dollar businesses, and they started as a an attendee in the seat in the crowd and you just see that faithfulness of how they've grown it because there are a lot of people in the crowd, you know, in their shoes years before thinking, Oh, I don't know if I can do it. And you see the success story of someone just like them that did it. And that's what we love um, about highlighting those stories. We can teach stuff and you know this, we can teach stuff all day, but man, when you hold up an example, they go, Oh, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's really powerful. Super powerful. And I want to dig into your origin story a little bit because I don't actually know much about how you got to where you're at. You are an amazing example of a business leader. And how did you even get into business in the first place? Well, it's funny. I think it's interesting how in life, and I'm in my mid-30s now, depending on your listeners or their age, but at any stage of life, you might be going through something and thinking that it doesn't have a lot of purpose or you've just got to you know, get through this tough season or whatever. But in hindsight, you start to see patterns. And I think that's what really happened for me about five years ago, where I just consistently saw this pattern of business. I was raised by a single mom entrepreneur, my mom started a little bakery when I was six months old oh, wow. to raise and support me, really to survive, you know? And a lot of people get into business to survive, Pat. Like that's, it may not be the best reason they get in, but gosh, like it's a real motivator because you got to make it. And yeah. she had $64 to her name. And so I was raised literally in the business. I mean, she would bring me down there at, to the cake shop at two and three and four in the morning when she had to bake and she'd make a little bed for me on the powdered sugar bags and and flour bags. And I would sleep there until it's time to go back to elementary school. And I'd go to school with the smell of sugar in my little white (laughs) blonde hair. And, you know, it's far from Pinterest perfect, but here's what's so cool, Pat, is that was my normal. Um, Growing up in a business, um, I spent more time with her employees than I did my own friends in many cases. And you think, oh, poor Christy. No, no, let me tell you something. I had a front row seat to watch a woman use her gifts and build a business and make an impact in the world. And you can't put a dollar amount Mm. on what that example did for me because it taught me what it looks like to use your gifts, what it looked like to be independent, what it looked like to make your own way and make an impact and help people and how you talk to customers and how you lead your team members. And so this was in my DNA from the very, very beginning. Um, So you see this pattern of, of business in my story, but then 
I always had a desire for business. I went to college. I got a degree in business administration. I started two side businesses in my 20s just for fun to kind of make extra money to help pay my rent. At the time, I was making, you know, entry level nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some extra money and then became a certified business coach and then became a coach through Entree Leadership here as a part of Dave Ramsey's organization. And then we started to see about five years ago, six years ago, um, just this trend in the marketplace of there's this unbelievably huge market of women specifically. Now, everyone's getting into entrepreneurship, but I want to focus on women specifically because there's this market of women that are going, I want to do something, but I'm not sure what. Or I want to do something, but I'm not sure how. And there are women that don't want to climb the corporate ladder. They don't want to work the nine to five. They want more flexibility to go to the field trips with their kids. You know, and and they want to do it on their own terms. And it's more accessible than ever before. You could start a business tomorrow with nothing more than your idea and a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. The risk is low. The cost is low. The barrier to entry into the marketplace is low. But they get into it and they're not sure what to do. You know, what about taxes? What about trademarks? How do I sell without being pushy? And that's where I can use all of these different seasons of my life, my training, my education, my own personal experience, um, and and be able to intersect these women's lives and give them the hope and encouragement they need to push past their fear, but also the tactical business principles to show them the steps they need to do to do it. And what's amazing, Pat, and I'm sure you experienced this um, yourself and even just at, at our events, but it is so much easier than they think. It's harder than they think in many ways because you've really got to work hard, mm-hmm. but they think that they can't do it or, oh, I'm not business-minded. I don't have a background in business. I'm not cut out for business. No, they just need what anyone needs, which is a little bit of help. And that's where I come in. I love drawing from different aspects of my story to be able to serve them and lead them along this journey of really chasing their version of success. If that's $1,000 a month and a side business, awesome. If it's a multi-million dollar business, awesome. I just want to help them do that thing they love to do and make money doing it. For the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people you've helped, and make sure you, you listen to Christy's podcast and get involved in her brand, Business Boutique. She's got some amazing things to offer. For all those experiences that you've had teaching other entrepreneurs, what are the one or two most common roadblocks that beginner entrepreneurs have? And how do you, in your style, recommend they break through them? Okay, this is this is good. I have, there, there, are, there are probably a top few, but I'll give you the, the number one by far that I've seen, and that's fear. And that sounds really theoretical and really just, you know, like it's a feelings thing, but fear mm-hmm. is a real barrier. Because here's what I've noticed, Pat, and you may have experienced this even on stage at the event. What women need when they come to our event and what they think they need are two different things. They think they need tools and information and steps and plans, and they do, and we give them that. But what they actually need is encouragement. They need someone to look them in the eyes and say, you can do this and I believe in you Mm -hmm. and I know that you can win. In fact, I'm so confident you're going to win that I want you to email me your story when you're winning because I want to share your story on my podcast. They need someone to give them permission. And, And what's so incredible is when you give them that belief, the ground starts to move beneath them and they begin to take action and implement the steps and implement the plans. But you can give them all the best information in the world, Pat, but if they're scared, they're going to stay stuck. And they're not going to do anything about it. And so that's what I love about everything with our brand is we really hit the inspiration and the information. You can't have one without the other. If you're inspired, then you feel good, but you don't know what to do. And if you just got information, then you know what to do, but you're too scared to do anything about it. And so um, I think fear is a real barrier. And I would say that that is true for men and women. It is not something unique, unique just to women. It's very, very um, common in entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is risky. 
and vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there to be rejected or to fail. Um, and it's certainly very prevalent in any of the creative spaces, mm-hmm. um, any of the you know arts, anything where it's um, a service-based business, you're selling yourself, your skills. Um, man, that fear gets loud, the imposter syndrome. Who are you to do this? Who do you think you are starting a business? And gosh, the the old cliche is so true. Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And so if I can equip people on how to not only understand fear, it is a real thing. So let's just understand it and call it out, but also practical, tactical steps to push past it, then gosh, they're set free to actually do something. Um, and so I think fear is probably the number one. I would say the second most common uh, that I've seen, at least in, in the women that I've worked with, is perfectionism. And it's this idea that I've got to get it perfect before I launch. I've got to get the website perfect before I I put it up. I've got to get the product perfect before I ship it. I've got to get the business perfect before I tell anybody about it. And mm-hmm. Pat, you and I both know there's no such thing. Nope. There's no such thing as perfect. Like it's the most ridiculous lie that we all uh, believe and stay stuck with. And and if if I can help people understand that business is a conversation with the marketplace. And a conversation means two people are talking. So if you're going to have the marketplace respond to you and your business and your product and your service and your idea, you've got to put something out there, which means you put out the 1.0 version. The iPhone started with an iPhone 1. You've got to start somewhere. So you put out the, the crappy best version you can come up with the marketplace responds says, hey, a little more of this, a little less of this. Hey, you know what would be so cool is if you added this and then you know what they need. You make those iterations and adaptations. You come out with your 2.0 version and you put that out. And that's what that conversation looks like over time. And you, you never get there to perfect because your job as a business owner is to always be responding to the needs and desires of the marketplace. And the needs and desires of the marketplace are always changing. So this is an ongoing thing. So I would say fear, fear of failure, fear of the competition, fear just in general, um, fear of what people will think is probably the number one. And then the second, I would say, was just staying stuck and being paralyzed by this idea of perfection that is just uh, doesn't actually exist anyway. Yeah, I can vouch for both of those on my end as well. And... Um... The, the fear especially. And for me as a man, I know that I have uh, certain fears that relate to like, you know, men are like, okay, we have to be the breadwinner. And, you know, if we're not, we're, we're letting our families down. And that, that those are kinds of things that I think of. Are there any unique fears that are women specific that, um, that I and, and the men listening to this might not even know exist? Yes, I would love to talk about this. So here's what's interesting. And this is research-based. This is not just um, my experience alone. Mm -hmm. But I I think we can all agree men and women um, in general are wired differently. And women generally are very, very relational. So we value ourselves by our relationships as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, as a friend, as a wife, and so on. Well, this is great in business because we are amazing at customer service. You don't have to tell a woman how to take care of people Because that's what she does. That's who she is. It's like telling a fish to swim. Like, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. However, being wired relationally tends to pose some challenges when relationships are at play in business. For example, pricing or um, setting policies to protect yourself when you've got crazy customers or standing your ground or... um, setting yourself apart from the competition. How do you sell without being pushy? Well, I don't want to get on people's nerves. Well, I don't want to hurt. You know, I don't want to annoy someone. Well, I just, I just, I just, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start to see these unique challenges that we have, but it doesn't mean that we can't overcome them. Again, you need to understand them and develop those muscles and those skills. Um, but, but even if you look at research, oh, in general, 
women tend to be more fearful than men. Research shows as early as childhood that boys are more um, risk takers. Girls are more risk averse. So they, it shows that when little boys and little girls around age four to five are riding bicycles, little girls break sooner when riding their bicycle. Now, this is fascinating to me because you think of the implications of this as grown men and women in business. Okay, well, then you also look at, it says um, in this research that I studied, um, little boys are slower to learn from calamities. Can I get an amen from the boy parents <laughs> out there? <laughs> and I can vouch for that too, yeah. <laughs> they tend to attribute their mistakes uh, to an outside source. Oh, it must have been a rock in the road. That's why I wrecked my bike. Couldn't have been me right? Whereas little girls tend to internalize their mistakes. I am the problem. Something's wrong with me. Little girls also, it shows, never want to make the same mistake twice. So so boys can can fall down and get back up and think, oh, okay, I'll try this again. And little girls like, I'm never going to do that again. Now, let's fast forward again to being grown men and women in business. I can tell you, Pat, from experience, I've shared this story before. I don't know if I've shared it with you, but um, about 10 years ago, I had a speaking event where I bombed. Like it was a, every speaker's worst nightmare. So awful. I wanted to disappear in front of the audience. It was just a, it was just a, I just totally bombed. Mm -hmm. So I drove home from that event. It was six hours away in a rental car and I cried the whole drive home. And you know what I told myself? Never again. I will never speak again. I will never walk on another stage because that's what pain does. That's what failure or falling down does. It makes you want to protect yourself against that. And again, women tend to internalize that and think, I never want to make the same mistake twice. Now, thank God I didn't let that happen and I've you know pursued a speaking career and so on. But I think a lot of people actually let those failures or fall downs or setbacks define them. And if we can understand that as women, we tend to be more fearful, we tend to internalize um, setbacks more than we can just be aware of that. And then we can fight against it. You know, when I have that voice in my head say, who are you to do this? I can identify, oh, that's the imposter syndrome. I don't have to listen to that. Mm-hmm. That's a thing and, and that doesn't have to hold me back. So just, just having the information can really equip you to do something different about it. You don't have to be a victim to that mentality or even just maybe some of the challenges we face and how we're wired because we all have strengths and weaknesses, but if we're aware of it, we can grow and become mature and grow beyond that. For sure. And I love that we're discussing this, you know, and a lot of the things we're saying are quite general, but you know, you go out there and you can actually confirm a lot of the stuff and there is studies that have been done about this. But I love this topic because I think it's a topic that especially men uh, like myself, we kind of avoid sometimes or we don't even realize how important it is to understand how uh, women are thinking. And, and you know, I went to a uh, event once and I went inside and it was it was like all men. And I knew, I was like, guys, if you share this, you're going to get a number of women who are going to speak up and say, where are the women being represented in this situation? It wasn't even a male specific thing on the surface, but it was when I went inside and I just knew. And then of course, once we started sharing photos, it was like, okay, great, but where are the women? And I think that's something that we need to be more attuned to. And I know this may cause some controversy in, in terms of you know comments or what people think, but I just want to open up this this discussion, which is why I'm happy you're here to talk about this. And you know, I I, I even have more to understand as as well um, about this. So, as as a as a woman or the women listening to this, what are so we've discovered a little bit of the challenges. What what might be, and you've discussed this a little bit, some of the other advantages um, and 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 ways that men and women can both sort of complement each other. Do you think? Yeah. And I think, you know, in our highly, highly polarized world, it's easy to take 
any one line or any um, even one topic and take it out of context and, and draw 57 you know, conclusions sure. that are not helpful. So, mm-hmm. so let's just say this. I think my personal opinion, Pat, is that there is a time and place for both. There is a time and place for equal representation in business, in conferences, on the stage, on the media, for sure. And I also love that that you have things, you have organizations that are only male or only female. That's what I love about Business Boutique. Let me tell you, something special happens when you get 3,000 women in a room and they feel the safety and the camaraderie of that sisterhood. There's something so intimate and special about it also. So I think there's a place and time for both. You know, I think this is not a this is not an equal pay conversation. This is not an equal representation conversation, but it really is understanding how we can learn from each other and leverage each other's strengths. But in order to do that, you need to be having the conversation and be in the same room. You mm-hmm. know, you need to have the right people at the table. And I think it's a huge miss when we don't understand the value of that equality and we don't understand the the value of um, having both genders represented in these conversations. I will say too, and you want to ruffle some feathers, Pat, let's just ruffle some feathers. I don't think any woman should be promoted because she's a woman. I think she should be promoted because she's the best person for the job. And that may make some people mad and that's fine. But you need to have the right people in the room and the right people are the people that are the smartest, the most experienced and so on. How insulting would it be to me if someone promoted me or offered me an opportunity just because we need a woman? Right. No, I'll be there, Pat, because I'm mm-hmm. freaking good because I'm smart because I have something to bring to the table. So, you know, that'll make some people mad, but but you've got to look at this is good business practice. Who do you want on your on your sports team? Who do you want on your leadership team? Who do you want on your board of directors? You want the best. I don't care what gender they are. I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they come from, how many, whether they have families or don't have families. I don't care. I just want the best people. And I think that if you want to build a business, then you need the best people there. And, and I'd be willing to bet there are a lot of women that are the best people that might be overlooked um, simply because you know they may be in a, a heavily do- male-dominated industry, or they mm-hmm. might be—that's just kind of the status quo. So it's definitely something we need to open our eyes to, but not get so extreme to say, "Well, we just need to, you know, poor women, right. poor women." No, 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 no. Right, right. There, like, you know? hey guys, on our charts, we only have twenty percent women in our company. I think we need to bring that up to thirty because that's what the state requires. You know, all that kind of yeah. talk, and we see this in uh, a lot of the startups that are happening today. Conversations around gender and race and those kinds of things. And I, I, I love what you just said about, you know, let's just hire the best and you like right. the best can be male or female or any race and color. What? And it's a great, I mean, let's just say this, it's a great time to be a woman. It's a great time where we're finally, because of a lot of the stuff that's been going on in our news headlines and in politics and so on, where there is more awareness, there is more um, opportunity, there's more money, there's more funding available than ever before. And we still have a long way to go. Yes, 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 I know that. <laughs> but let's celebrate where we are. Let's celebrate the victories that we have along the way and just say, okay, what, what, door can I knock down for myself or what how can I get my business in this space or grow something um, you know beyond what's been been done before and mm-hmm. so it's just a really great time for your women listeners that are listening thinking you know I want to go after this grant or I want to go after this funding or I want to start this business and and I feel intimidated in this space um, there's a lot of support from women organizations and and advocates for women leadership and women in business so it's a really great time anyway um, to do it because of all the things that have been going on. Thank you, Christy. I'm curious, as an entrepreneur who uh, targets mostly women, 
Um, although I remember being at the event and seeing a number of men in the audience too. Like you don't necessarily 100% ex- exclude yeah. men. It's just more women are attracted to the way that you teach and who you're targeting. Um, for the women in the audience who are targeting other women, do you have any specific advice for them? Um, is that a good route to go uh, versus um, let's share my information with both males and females because it can pertain to both? Or do you find that there is an advantage uh, in focusing on one gender, um, mainly in your marketing and such? Yeah, I actually got this question. It's funny, Pat. I was up in New York um, doing a uh, media hit for Cheddar TV. Um, it's actually hosted on the New York Stock Exchange floor, which is so cool and so intimidating. <laughs> and they asked me this question <laughs> about gender, but they asked it in a very like, oh, you know, we're not supposed to like, you know, raise our boys to be boys and girls. You know, it, was, it was kind of a, a, a trapping type of question about gender, you know, with mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I said, Here's the thing. It has nothing to do with gender in the sense of there are business principles for women and there are business principles for men. That's not what I'm saying. It's all about knowing your target market. So what I would say for your listeners is figure out who your target market is. Who is your ideal customer? Who is that perfect person that can benefit from your business? And it might be specifically female or specifically male, and it might have nothing to do with gender, but you do need to know who they are. Because if you don't know who your business exists to serve, then I promise you, you're not reaching them. Mm. And so what I found is that my ideal customer, our primary target market, for example, are women. But we actually have a secondary target market. And our secondary target market are men. And we identified this through um, actually our fir- after our first event in 2015 and 2016, We were selling tickets to this 2016 event and we kept getting all these testimonies from women that came to the event saying, oh my gosh, my husband bought me a ticket. My husband bought me a ticket. It was the best Christmas gift. My husband bought me a ticket. It was the best birthday gift. My husband bought me a ticket. On and on and on. We're like, hey, maybe there's something here. (laughs) Men buying their wives tickets. So you better believe in May, we ran a Mother's Day campaign. Hey, buy a ticket for your wife. It's the gift that says, I believe in you. And so we have a secondary target market now. Here's the incredible insight into that because we take the time to get to know our customer. Typically, uh, or there's a large percentage, I'll say this, there's a large percentage of women in the business boutique market that just struggle to believe in themselves. They are stuck in the starting phase or the dreamer phase, or even if they're builders and they're growing businesses, they just don't have that confidence. They would never buy a ticket to an event that's $130 because they don't believe in themselves that much. Oh, that's a way. You know, they, they would spend it on their kids or their husband, but they wouldn't spend it on themselves. It feels very selfish. Again, this is all the psychology of, of how they are wired and also how they view themselves in their business. So if you have, if you market to men and say, buy this for a woman in your life and he buys her a ticket that gets her to an event that changes her life and her business, like that's awesome. You know, because yeah. this is this is understanding the market. Sometimes they won't buy these things for themselves. So the the men in their life, uh, a son or a dad, you know, buys them a ticket and it it's that little nudge that pushes them over the edge. It's a great gift that's like, oh my gosh, he got me the best gift ever. So you can have a, a primary target market and a secondary target market, and yours may be gender specific or it might not. It just matters that you know your target market. In our case, I wanted to create a safe place where women that were feeling insecure or women that don't have a business background that feel intimidated or like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur, you know, that they could come and feel like, hey, this is for me. And Mm -hmm. so it created this safety. And we certainly have, like you said, we have men come. It's not exclusive to women, but it's about knowing your target market so that you can reach that person. I love that. And for both men and women, obviously, I think we all struggle with, like you said earlier, the fear and the perfectionism in different kinds of ways and for different reasons. However, if we're past the dreamer stage and we're ready to get started, what might our first steps 
be from there? Well, you know, I wrote I wrote Business Boutique as a plan with like a step-by-step. So people that want to plan, you know, I, I'm a runner, Pat. So like if I, if I want to run a marathon, I'm going to download a plan. And that's just helpful to see one step in front of the other. But here's what I would say would be the most important thing for your listeners. It's to take a step. Now, I know that sounds so basic. I realize that. But here's the problem. A lot of times we stay dreamers because we dream of this big, awesome vision that's five years, 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. And then we get real excited about it. And then we get real intimidated by it. It's like, well, I could never get there. So we just stay stuck. Well, instead of getting intimidated by this big, awesome vision, what would just be the tiniest baby step you could take today toward that? Maybe it's a Google search. Like, hey, are there any other businesses doing this thing? <laughs> or mm-hmm. is this URL available? Or, um, you know, is can I get a retail storefront in my town? You know, whatever your thing is, it might be the most simple, unimpressive thing. But what I remind people all the time is the impressive things in life always start as unimpressive things. Dave Ramsey started his business that is a multi-hundred million dollar business on a card table in his living room. Sarah Blakely started Spanx by cutting the feet out of her pantyhose. Like we all start in unimpressive situations. But if you take that tiny baby step, what happens is you get confidence and momentum and that fuels you taking the second tiny baby step and the third tiny baby step and the fourth and so on. So I don't know what your idea is. And you don't have to follow the business boutique book and you don't have to follow that plan. If you want that, that's there. But all I really care is that you take a step because one step will fuel your confidence and momentum for the second. So maybe it's a Google search. Maybe it's um, reaching out to a key relationship in your area. Maybe it's looking for um, you know production for whatever type of product you're going to create. I, it doesn't matter. But but I would if I was going to challenge your listeners with like, here's your takeaway. Here's your homework for today. Figure out what your first baby step is. What is the lowest hanging fruit? What is the quickest win that you could do today that though it may be very small, will fuel the second step? Mm-hmm. And the third, then that person says, hey, you need to call my friend. She's a graphic designer. Hey, I've got an attorney. Hey, you know what? So-and-so has some unused space and you could totally rent that. And, and the ground starts to move beneath you. But it doesn't happen if you don't take that first step. So I know it sounds so simple and basic, but taking action... Um, is the best thing you can do because it begins to fuel more action. It also, by the way, is the best way to combat fear. The antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing like doing the thing. So go do the thing. Mm. Figure out what your baby step is and take that tiny step today. I love that. We heard uh, something similar when we had James Clear, New York Times bestselling author of Atomic Habits, how we have these big goals that we have and big habits that we want to form. It's that little tiny mini baby step that actually gets that going. So if you want to start running every day, just make a habit of having your shoes ready when you wake up right there in front of you. And that's it. So it's a very same exact thing like we're talking about with entrepreneurship. And you look up one day a year from now and you're going, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But it didn't happen with this giant terrifying leap. It didn't happen with this big, you know, huge Jerry Maguire moment. You walk out, you grab the goldfish and say, who's <laughs> with me from your corporate job? It doesn't happen like that. Usually it happens with one little Google search and setting your shoes out and making that contact. And and then you look up and you go, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. But you have to do those small things in order for the big thing to happen. Another important component of building your business, uh, as you've mentioned earlier, and as I share all the time is the conversations and the relationships that you're building from the start with your audience, your pr- prospective customers, and also other people in your space. And you had, you had, you seem to have this really amazing knack of listening to your target audience. What mechanisms do you have in place to be able to listen to them? Mm, that's good. Well, I will say I talk to them every day in different ways. Now, you've challenged me on this, Pat, because you actually call your listeners, which I, I think is just... <laughs> 
fascinating. And I always say I'm going to do it and I, and I haven't done it, but I need to do it. Baby I'm steps, gonna... just one <laughs> person, right? <laughs> there you go. So, but here's what I do. I have a coaching group called the Business Boutique Academy, and this is my subscription site. So I train them through um, month, weekly trainings. And then we have a, a regular check-ins throughout the month through live video feedback. So I actually just had that this morning um, and I have them on a regular basis, but this gives me ongoing feedback to hear how they're doing, what their frustrations are, what they're um, going through. And so I very much know the voice of my customer because I talk to them all mm-hmm. the time and, and and so on through live chats and that kind of thing. Um, and then of course at events, like you'll talk to people after events. So mine is more informal and organic. I wouldn't say I have a structure in place to hear from them, but here's what I think is more, even maybe more important than having specific structures in place. You need to do it, but how you do it, I don't really care. What matters is that you actually pay attention to what they're saying. And don't just take it at the surface level. Think like the most curious person you can be and ask why and tell me more about that and why and dig. So if your customer or your client or your listener or your fan, whoever says something, don't just take it at the surface level and write it off like, oh, well, here was their answer. Here's their their feedback on this product or you know whatever their experience. I said, well, tell me more about that. Well, why was that? Well, how'd that make you feel? Just, I mean, I'm a coach, you know, I'm a by training. And also I'm just very intuitively good with people and picking up on nuances. Mm -hmm. But if you can learn these skills of asking the right questions and digging with people, you will get incredible insight about who they are and how they think and what makes them tick. And you will begin to understand not just how they're wired, but you will understand how to speak to them. Because so many people just operate at the surface level. Well, I need more money for my business. I'm going to go make more sales. And they just, they stay in this cycle at the surface. But if you can get to the lower surface, well, why do you need more money? Well, what's the why behind your business? Well, what's driving you? Well, who's your ideal customer? Well, what would be your your ideal future in five years? And you start to dig a little bit deeper into some of these questions with your clients, then you can have fewer conversations that are way, way, way more insightful and give you more takeaways of what you need to change about your business or build about your business or how to speak to them and how to market to them. Like Pat, I drive my content team crazy because they will, you know, send me some marketing copy. I'm like, oh no, we don't talk to them like that. No, no, no. That does that doesn't connect with them, you know, because I know them, mm-hmm. because I talk to them all the time. So I think it's just really important to understand them. That's the reason I know what I know about fear, because I've heard them. They may tell me, well, um, well, I, I can't start my business because you know it's already too saturated. There's too many people doing it. Well, well, tell me, why is that? Well, what's your business? Well, is anybody doing it in your town? Well, can anybody do it like you do it? Like when you dig, you start to realize, oh, it's just fear. And so you will get such incredible insights from your market and you will have not only more uh, tools in your tool belt for building your business and ammo for your marketing, you'll also just build such a intimate relationship with them. It's the reason that women that are a part of business, but you can be like, I feel like we're best friends. Well, because we are, that's not a marketing technique. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and you know, that's not manipulation. I really know you and I really love you and I really care about your success and I will do anything I can to help you succeed. And she knows that and she feels that. And so your relationships with your customers becomes uh, so much more intimate and special. They're, they're more loyal customers. They're going to spread word about you. Um, so it's good for them and good for you when you really take the time to ask the right questions and just gather insights. Don't just get their answers. Gather insights about who they are and why those things are true for them. Be genuinely curious. That's what you said. Yeah. And I think that's really the secret especially if you are doing research with your audience, be curious. And that's going to define what those follow-up questions are going to be. For me as a podcaster, I always approach every interview as 
very same way. Be curious. This is, we didn't write these questions down ahead of time. I knew these topics that we were going to discuss, but these follow up questions are, as a, are literally a result of just me wondering more. And yeah. the next thing I'm wondering about, Christy, to transition uh, back to some of the things that you mentioned earlier is you mentioned that, uh, well, y- you said that this is very women specific, but I know I also have this issue. So it's likely universal for many. Uh, maybe it's an introvert thing. I don't know. But you had mentioned, you know, you are somebody who loves to show people how to be a salesperson without being too selly. Yeah. What are some strategies that you have to ensure that when we are offering our solutions to our audience, we can get in front of them, but not get in their faces, I guess. Yes. So here's what's interesting. And I actually listened to a podcast on a run. This was like a while ago, probably a year or more ago, where you were on a podcast with Shailene Johnson. And I think either she was on yours or you were on hers. I can't remember. But y'all were talking about sales. It was so good. It was just brilliant. I loved it. But this is such a great thing to talk about because I don't know if you're like this, Pat, but I teach on things that I struggle with myself. Mm-hmm. So so I don't teach because, oh my gosh, this is so easy for me. I teach because these are things I'm living out and learning myself. And here's what I've noticed when it comes to sales. And it doesn't matter the business. It doesn't matter the your personality style. Sales is a skill. It's a skill that can be learned. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, extrovert. You know, I use the example of my husband. Uh, my husband, Matt, is so opposite from me, Pat. Like a lot of married couples are. He is introvert, quiet, steady, patient, all the things that I am not. <laughs> and you know what? After seven months of pursuing me and seven months of me turning him down, that man closed the sale. Like I am his wife. We are so happy. Like he, like it doesn't matter your personality style. Like you can develop the skill of confidence and influence. And I think what it comes down to for a lot of people is they have had a bad experience with sales and that shaped their idea of sales. And so they don't want to be anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the unfortunate thing is that's not sales. You know, that's certainly not good sales. And so instead of thinking of sales as a sleazy salesperson or a used car salesman, or you've got to be pushy and aggressive and twist people's arms. If that's your idea of sales, of course, you don't want to sell. Of course, you don't. I don't want to be anything like that either. But what I help people do is I help them reframe their ideas about sales So instead of thinking of it as you're going to be pushy, aggressive, and twist people's arms, think of it as sharing your heart, sharing your story, influencing, and serving. Now, this sounds really simple, but let me give you, you know, short examples of each. Um, Influence. You know, how many of your listeners have a close friend? Well, great. You influence someone to let you in their inner circle. How many of your listeners, how many of you are married? Well, great. You influence someone to spend the rest of their life with you. That's a big sale. Um, you know, how many of you, your kids ate their veggies last night? Great. You influence your kids to eat their veggies. That's a big sale. So it's really the business of influence that you do all day, every day, anyway, in something you believe in, like your kids eating their veggies. Um, it's also sharing your heart and your story. And when I did research years ago, I asked women how they felt about sales, and all of them said the same thing Oh, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be aggressive. I don't want to get on people's nerves. Well, then about maybe 10 minutes later in the interview, I said, well, tell me, you know, why you do this. Like, tell me a little bit about like, what, what does this business do for you? And there was an audible shift in the tone of their voice. And you could hear that they lit up as they described why they love this. One woman that was a photographer said, oh, I just love that I get to capture these moments and memories and families that they're going to treasure forever, forever from maternity photos to family fall photos to senior portraits. Like, I just love that I get to be a part of capturing these moments forever. Um, one woman told me, she said, um, she made handmade little girls dresses. And she said, I love going to church on Sunday morning 
and seeing these little girls twirl around in the lobby, feeling so beautiful in a dress Mm. that I made them. And Pat, as they told me that, I wanted to buy a little girl's dress right there and I don't have little girls, Pat. (laughs) Got a boys. As you share your heart, the sale naturally follows. That that is what is the most compelling form of sales is is sharing your heart, sharing your why, sharing your story. And if you really believe in what you're doing, then that should be easy for you. And what I mean by that is if you're focusing on what you can give, if you're focusing on how you're going to help people, if you're focusing on the difference you can make and you really believe in that, which I do, then it becomes so much more easy to do. If 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 someone comes through my book signing line at an event says, hey, you know, Christy here, you know, sign my book. I'm, I, do you think it's going to help me? I'm not like, oh gosh, I don't know. Toss up 50-50 maybe. No, I'm like, of course it will help you. I can't wait to watch you put this into practice. When you follow these steps, this will change your life and your business. I can't wait to watch you win. I have aggressive confidence and belief in them. And they step into that and they believe that and they want to prove me right and they want to prove themselves right. And they then become that. But it all comes because I believe deeply from my gut, from my heart, I believe deeply the fact that this works. Now, if you're in a business and you don't believe that what you do helps people, then you probably need to get in another business. But what I've noticed is we often focus on what we get, not on what we give. I'm going to get money. I'm going to get followers. I'm going to get a sale. Well, if that's all you think about, then of course you feel slimy. Don't focus on what you can get. Focus on what you're going to give. You're going to give value. You're going to give life change. You're going to give solutions. You're going to give tools and help and products that help people. And, you know, everything from hair bows where, you know, moms want to put hair bows on the little girls. That People need that. That mm-hmm. matters. I didn't have hair till I was three years old, Pat. Like hair bows mattered for me as a two-year-old. So, uh, you know, it's just amazing how when you focus on what you can give and you share your heart and you share your story and you show up and you serve people, that's where the best sales naturally happen. If you're focused on what you can get and how you can you know, get money and get a sale and get more followers, people will feel that. And it's not fun for you and it's not fun for them. So I just encourage you to flip the script and think of it as serving and sharing and what you're giving to them. And man, it becomes so much easier and it becomes authentic and it becomes something that, believe it or not, they will thank you for. They will say, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you so much for that podcast. Thank you so much for um, that hair bow or that, um, you know, swim lesson or that, you know, uh, graphic design service. Thank you so much for whatever that, because there's, because you help them and, and there's a value on that. And if you focus on how you're helping people, it becomes really easy to sell. So for the timid listener right now, let's, let's imagine they flip the switch and they're going to tell themselves, all right, I'm, I'm going to be confident because I know what I have will help people. This is yeah. like the angel on the, the left shoulder yeah. that's speaking in their, in their ear, right? But then yeah. at the same time, the devil goes, you're just faking it. Like you can tell yourself these things, but this is not real. Like, you know, yes. you know, Let's like, how, how do, like, I just want to like swap that thing away. Yes, totally. Okay. So I will say this one, one thing I want to clarify when you talk about like someone that's timid, someone that's an introvert. I want to go ahead and speak to them really quickly because I believe that God made you uniquely and perfectly like you. And you don't have to be loud, talkative, extrovert. You don't have to be someone that you're not to lead a business and you don't have to be someone that you're not to sell. You can sell in a way that's true to you. 
you can sell in a way that's one-on-one and it's quiet and you build that deep relationship with that person before they buy from you. You don't have to be all you know, loud and t- you don't have to be like what you think of when you think of salespeople. So I just want to go ahead and give your listeners Thank you. that might be more quiet permission to, to be true to them because that's the best business and it's the best sales. It's the best serving when you are who I believe God made you to be, which is in your natural style. So again, sales is a skill. It's a skill you can learn and then you just adapt it for your style, whatever is comfortable for you. Now, let's go back to the angel devil analogy here. If if you have that at first, and the, the example I always use is sales is a muscle. Confidence is a muscle. If you never exercise it, well, it's a little weak at first. It's a little wobbly. That's okay. But the more that you exercise it, the stronger that muscle becomes and the easier it becomes. So the first few times you're going to have that voice in your head that says, you're faking it. You're a fraud. Who are you to do this? They don't like you. They're going to talk about you behind all this ridiculous voice of fear. And if you can do it anyway, if you can still have that conversation, hold your head high, throw your shoulders back, say the things that you practiced in front of your mirror, in front of your dog, whatever. (laughs) If you can force yourself to do it one time after another time, over time, that confidence becomes authentic. That muscle becomes stronger. What I say all the time is, fake it until you feel it. Pat, the first time I walked on a stage as a professional paid speaker was to a thousand people. I was scared out of my mind, shaking in my shoes, and I felt like the biggest fraud in the entire room, but I just faked it. I acted like I was excited to be there, and I did the best that I could. And now, after years of doing this, I really am excited to be there. But of course, you're scared the first time. You've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're scared the first time you make a sales presentation. You've never done it before. Of course, you are. I know this sounds so simple, but just fake it. Pretend like you're excited to be there. Smile. Even if you're shaking, just do it scared. You don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the things you want to do. You just do it scared. You walk on the stage, you do a Facebook Live, you launch the blog, you ship the product, you make that key call to that person you want to reach out to, take that client to coffee, whatever. You just do it scared. And it's in doing it that you gain the confidence through the reps that that muscle gets stronger and it becomes easier. At at first, that voice will be loud, but if you can just do it anyway, even though you've got that voice in your head, you just do it anyway. Um, It's amazing how over time that becomes proof. And it's like I said, nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing like doing the thing. So do the thing. If it's a sales call, if it's a presentation, you just do it and then you'll strengthen that muscle and it will, I promise you, it will get easier. Wow. We're going to clip that and share it with everybody on Instagram and, you know, Twitter, because that's, that's amazing. And if any of you are listening to this and you know that there are other people in your life who can benefit from hearing these messages from Chrissy today, please share this episode. I mean, this is, this is fantastic. And Chrissy, I just want to wrap up by saying, I appreciate you so much. I'm, I'm so thankful to have you, uh, in my life as a, as a leader and, and and a prime example of somebody who's leading their tribe in the right way. And I would love for you to speak to the audience now and tell them where they can go get more info and encouragement, inspiration, and information from you. 
Well, thank you, Pat. You know, I'm just such a huge fan of yours. I was so thrilled when we had you at um, Business Boutique and uh, you're such a, a part of our Business Boutique family and I love what you do. You, you've challenged me in so many ways from listening to my listeners to um, just even some of the tactical ways that you lead your business and you do it with such humility and class. And I'm so, so grateful for you. And um, thanks for the opportunity. This is um, this has just been so much fun. Businessboutique.com is really where everything is. So um, we've got the Business Boutique podcast. We have the Business Boutique Academy, the book. We've got a couple courses on helping people find their business idea or a deep dive on social media and just you know blogs and encouragement um, to help them uh, make money doing what they love. And then on Instagram, it's at Christy B. Wright and, um, and Twitter and then Facebook is official Christy Wright. So I'm all the places you are just uh, <laughs> hanging out trying to, trying to help people. So I'm just so, so grateful to get to hang out with you, Pat. And I really, I love what you do in this space and we're such kindred spirits in this space. So I love getting to partner with you and help people. Thank you. I appreciate you. And we'll have all the links and everything in the show notes. So I'll direct you in just a minute. But Christy, thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Keep doing what you do. It inspires me and it inspires uh, tens of millions of others as well. Just keep, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Christy Wright. For all the links and where you can go find her, her book and her event and all the amazing things that Christy has going on, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 362 smartpassiveincome.com slash session 362. And that'll take you to the show notes page. I'd love to hear a comment from you as well on what you think about this topic. If you have something to say about it, I want you to tell me in the comment section, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 362. You know, I tend to, or over the years, I mean, it's been 10 years of doing business. I tend to very much avoid a lot of the more controversial or potentially controversial things. And this this wasn't a controversial episode, in my opinion. Um, it was just a lot of great discussions on something. But topics like this, and especially politics and religion and those kinds of things, I, I tend to just avoid those conversations because I don't want to stir up any conversations that uh, may not belong on my platform and just would deter us from actually doing what we need to do. However, I do think this is a really important topic and I'm thankful to have this conversation here on this platform. Again, I'd love to know what you think and make sure you go check out Christy's stuff. All the links and mentions and, and whatnot, uh, you can find at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 362. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. If you have any other ideas for kinds of topics that I should be talking about that perhaps I've been trying to avoid in the past, uh, let me know. I, I do know that one of those topics is on less of a more controversial level, but more of a just avoiding because it is a difficult thing to talk about is the sort of like really messy part of starting a business, the incorporating your business, the business bank accounts, a lot of those sort of like Okay, as a business owner, these are the things you have to know beyond your product and your market. Accounting, taxing, uh, those kinds of things, which I've always tried to avoid because I don't want to get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. But I think it's important that somebody step up and actually share these things. And I'm really thankful to have a COO and a CFO, Matt Gartland, who you heard on the show in January. Uh, he's stepping up and he's going to share a lot of thoughts with you in the future here on the podcast, on the blog, and and perhaps other ways down the road on dealing with the sort of unsexy side of business. And uh, I can't wait to share those things with you. So that's kind of the, the the things that I want you to come up with for me and for, for my team that we can better help you with. So let us know what we can do to better serve you. And again, thank you so much for being a part of Team Flynn. You're amazing. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.
So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 